Welcome to Who's Talking. This is D.G. Martin, and my guest is our wonderful friend, Lee Smith. She's, um, she, in, in ordinary times, she would be in Hillsborough, but right now, Lee Smith, you're away from Hillsborough. Where are you right now? I am in Castine, Maine, which is midway up the coast of Maine on the Penobscot Bay. In fact, I'm looking out at some uh, some white caps and some uh, one jumping dolphin earlier this morning. Oh, golly. Well, we are <laughs> grateful that you have the chance to be there, but we miss you. Lee. Uh, well, I've never, I've never really very far from North Carolina, I'll tell you. That's where my heart is. So. Well, let's talk about... Uh, talk about your new book, Silver Alert. Um, okay. It's set down in mostly in Florida. Tell and mm-hmm. why, why you know and in, in a and at one point raised the question about whether or not you were moving to Florida because your last two books, <laughs> last two nonfiction or fiction books, have been set in Florida. Tell us about, uh, but we'll talk about that later. Tell us about Silver Alert. Okay. Well, Silver Alert is a book that came to me quite differently than anything else that I have ever written. It, it, the, the plot came first. This never happens. Usually I have characters who come to inhabit my brain and walk around in there for a year or so before they ever come up with a story for themselves. But uh, this happened directly from an experience that my husband and I had. We have gone to um, Key West every winter when possible for a long time we have often taught down there at the Key West Writers Seminar mm-hmm. that happens in January and then my parents had taken me when I was young so it's a place I love but anyhow we were leaving Key West several years ago I think four or five years ago we were leaving Key West and um, driving on Route 1 the Fables Route 1 which starts at the post office in Key West and goes all the way up to Miami etc. up the beautiful keys and so we had just started driving when all of a sudden something new happened an electronic banner went across the entire highway and it said silver alert and then it had the make and model of a car and you know the license and then it said um call and it gave you a number and we'd not seen this ever and so she said, well, what is that? We had no idea. Uh, several miles, well, 25 miles, maybe 20 miles up the road, it happened again. And so Hal said, I think it must be like um, Amber Alert, which we'd heard of, when an old person or a child or somebody goes missing, you know, and they put out an alert with the, the car, the suspected car number of whatever it is. And he said, but hey, you know, it's Florida. Florida's full of geezers, such as ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> such as ourselves. And um, anyway, he said, I think it means when an old person in Florida goes missing in his car. And he said, I bet that's it. So then we got really interested. By the third time we saw it, we had already made up the story that right. we were telling ourselves about who the old guy was and why he'd stolen his own car, and he was on the run, and Hal is saying, you go, guy. You know, he is all excited. By the final time we saw it, we had even imagined a passenger, and the passenger was going to be the Manny Petty girl from Assisted Living, where the old guy, where the, you know, where they were trying to put the old guy. 
and and he was on the run with the Manny Petty girl, and so we just we made it up, and there I was with a plot, a whole plot for a novel, and I didn't have the characters. Usually, I start with the characters, but I had the plot, and so that's where Silver Alert came from. Well, uh, just to review, what was the plot? Was there's this old man in a car, and he's yes, either been with a, with a young with a with a, a young um, young woman, and he is uh, and he's driving up the key. They're driving up the keys, and they're on the run in one way or another. Well, you and know, so it was up to me, novelist, to figure out who they were. You, and, Usually, where they were going to get to. <laughs> yeah, usually when you have one of those alerts, it's uh, or often, it's when a mm-hmm. uh, parent who's been forced out of the household by yes. the law uh, comes and kidnaps his child, his or her child, and yes, and then it's um, run, you know, capture them and yeah, and that's an that's usually a, that's an amber alert. Uh huh. So and yeah, and that's that's. Yeah, that's something. That's something frequent. I mean, it's a very helpful kind of, kind of, you know, warning system for sure. So tell. So but you. This is the you, first time I had seen the silver alert, and so that's where that's where the plot for this for this novel came from. Well, tell us a little bit about the plot and about the characters that you had to that you had to well, make see, up. Well, that's populate. the thing. So that's well, that's the plot. That's the plot. The, this unlikely couple. An old guy that they're trying to institutionalize, baby, you know, uh, primarily, and uh, then uh, his uh, the 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 Manny Petty girl from you know the Manny Petty girl associated with that place are you know are uh, are on the lam. They're on the run. So that's the plot. Then I never started with the plot before. So my task at this point was to develop the characters, which is usually something I have done over months and months of imagining and just writing down all kinds of things about their past and what they look like and what their experiences have been in life up until the moment of the story. You know, I spend a lot of time with character development. So now I had to backtrack and do that for each one of them. You know, who was the salt guy and what had happened to him in life right up until the point where the story started and who in the world was this young woman with a very different kind of life and a very uh, difficult kind of past who was in the car with them. So that was my task at that point was the character development. Well, let's talk about... And it was... Let's talk about your characters. And let's start with with Herb. And, okay. and you said you got this old guy that you had to find somebody to fill this role, and you found <laughs> you found. I keep. Not, I found Herb. Uh, yeah, and actually, you you may think Herb is a uh, is a prof, is a profane and irascible character when you read this book, but you have no idea how profane and irascible he was before the editors got hold of. Oh, really? Well. <laughs> He was, yeah, he was because I just wanted to make him be emblematic of uh, all older people who, to use a line of poetry, do not go gently into that gotcha. good night. Well, I'm, yeah, and I'm married, I'm married to one of them, too. Well, that was, anyway, <laughs> let's talk about, let's talk about Herb, then we'll talk about Hal. But Herb, okay. Herb is um, 83 years old. 
He's very yes. been very successful in business. Not so yes, su- he has. not so successful in getting along with uh, his wife's wives and children, but not not really bad. Sounds seems yeah. he has a good heart, but he does he wants to be in charge. And it's uh, Yes, he has a good heart, but he really wants to be in charge and he's one of these men who has been in charge. He's been fabulously successful with his own business. Now so where does he live? He's always been in charge and he hates to give it up. You know, he just hates to give it up. And that is of course I think it is I think it's harder for men to age than women sometimes. That's probably a sexist thing to say. But uh, Herb epitomizes that uh, that not going gently into that good night. I'll tell you. So you your basic story that you started with mm-hmm. is that if you're reading the book, you're not going to get to that part until the very end. And we're at the uh-huh. we're at the beginning of the story, and you're introducing us to. Um, yes, and so what I and so what I had to imagine was the situation before the book actually starts. I had to imagine Herb Herb's situation, and it is one that is, of course, we all know somebody in our family or close by who's in this situation where someone in the family has Alzheimer's or is ill, and the other person is not. So when the book starts, it starts in. Herb's uh, very beautiful, big Florida home there in Key West, which has been sort of modified to take care of his wife, the lovely, lovely wife who uh, has Alzheimer's. She was an incredibly artistic and wonderful woman. She ran galleries in New York and Key West, et cetera, et cetera. Now she has Alzheimer's. Herb has tried to set her up at home with you know, with nurses around the clock and um, so on. And his, he thinks done a real good job, but it's failing at this point. And it, it's, it's not enough to take, care, to take care of her. And so that's the situation. The family's trying to intervene, trying to get both Herb and, uh, Herb and the, lovely, the lovely, you know, ill wife into... The retirement community, which they found for them, and so it's a, a situation which is all too prevalent. Uh, is going on in that in that household at the time the book opens, and um, so that's the kind is a kind of an uproar that we begin with, and we, we meet everybody, all the family members. We see irascible Herb who won't pay attention to anybody, et cetera, et cetera. And um, let's take a quick and break. And then we'll introduce um, more of these characters around uh, the 83-year-old Herb. Uh, If you join us late, I'm visiting with Lee Smith, our favorite uh, Hillsborough author. And and, uh, she's talking to us from Maine about her new book, Silver Alert. We'll be right back. Sorry to interrupt you, Lee. I got... got, Oh, no, that's fine. I've got a guy running a lawnmower outside of my outside of my window, so now I'm in the hall. Oh, okay. I'm sorry, you poor thing. <laughs> I had no idea he was uh, going to be showing up and doing this, and he just showed up on his own. The, uh, that's the the way of life is that you want something done, it. but you don't want it done right now. <laughs> right now, I know it. That's really true. Really true. 
Well, Mickey, I'm so glad you were still doing the broadcast. This is wonderful. Well, I'm having a good time with it, especially with you. And uh, we're well, gonna... you have just been so great for writers. Oh my gosh, all this year, just incredible. You are so nice. All right, let's see. Welcome back to Who's Talking. This is D.G. Martin, and I'm visiting with uh, our friend and our favorite writer, Lee Smith, who has a new book called Silver Alert. And, Lee, you introduced us. I guess you're, gonna, you're in the process of introducing us to your characters after you told us sort of the end of the book. We're going back to the beginning and finding out, first of all, about Herb Atlas, a wealthy, successful businessman who married a beautiful woman who now has Alzheimer's. They're living in Key West, and his children are circling around um, plotting to get them in a different situation, and Herb is resisting. So tell us a little bit more about Herb. Um, well, Herb is a guy who's lived life entirely on his own terms, and he's been entirely successful as far as he's concerned. Big, big, big businessman. He's also uh, profane as possible, politically incorrect as possible, embodies all the worst, most, uh, you know, sort of awful traits of a certain, certain kind of self-made man. At the same time, the most generous and the biggest heart. So he's an interesting character, and he does not expect to have anybody else telling him what to do. Uh, but the whole family has gathered together to uh, get them to go into, a, a, you know, a retirement community with a special Alzheimer's place where she needs to be, et cetera. And so this is the situation, and it's a very prickly situation, bringing out the worst in Herb, probably, and probably everybody else. And uh, on the day the story starts, the book starts, um, the, uh, one of the, the daughters has hired a girl, a Manny, Manny Petty girl, to come to the well, A Manny to what? A Manny... A Manny Petty. That means a manicurist, pedicurist. Okay. You well. know, they, they come to your house. They will come to your house and to come and, and try to give the beloved wife a, a, a pedicure and so on because she needs it and they won't let her come anymore to the salon she used to go to because she made an uproar. She made a scene. And this is happening altogether too much. So anyway, the Manny Petty girl knocks at the door and she's this beautiful, uh, kind of mysterious young woman who brings all of the tools of her trade with her and seems to have uh, just a magic way of uh, dealing with this uh, woman who is, is caught in the throes of Alzheimer and is almost impossible for everybody else to deal with. She, she sings to her. One of she the things that's strange about this woman is that she, she has a name, Dee Dee, but uh-huh. she, um, she goes by Renee. Mm-hmm. And it gets kind of yeah. kind of confusing to everybody in yeah, the book. She, yeah, Herb, Herb, yeah, Herb gets a look at her when he's paying her. He gets a look at an ID that does not match what she said her name is. And so it's clear that there's some mystery about this young blonde woman with the beautiful voice who seems to have a magic way of calming Susan down, the beleaguered wife, 
and uh, just a kind of a magic touch with her. So she's a, she's a very mysterious character, our young manicurist from the get-go. Who is she and what is she doing and, and why does she have one name on her license and another name that she's given the family and she will only be paid in cash? Clearly, there's some mystery there. Can you tell so us these little, are our main characters. Give us a little, you do this later in the book, but maybe you'd like to hold that mm-hmm. back, but give us a little hint about where those things would come. And I, I'm going to prompt you by saying uh, Dee Dee, uh, who is called yes. Renee, has a mm-hmm. very interesting... Dee Dee has told her name is Renee, yeah. Uh, and and um, you tell us more about her in the book, and I'm going to give a little bit of that away because she seems to have come from the mountains of North Carolina or maybe yeah, Virginia. She's everybody, I've never written a book that somebody didn't come from the mountains. So this, this <laughs> is... Um, she... I don't want to say she's modeled on you, but there are certain characteristics of a uh, mountain girl who has trouble adapting, but adapts who's adapts very well, and uh, this and is charming, like you. Yeah, she's able yeah. to manipulate. Dee Dee, yes, Dee Dee. is a girl that is so close to my heart, and and she embodies something I've actually been thinking about for a long time, and, and I I don't want to spoil the book for anybody, but Dee Dee has had a very uh, difficult past. She does. She did grow up in the mountains of North Carolina with a several, you know, uh, a very difficult childhood, unlike my childhood, mm-hmm. but hers was mighty hard, and she ran into some really bad people along the way as she lost her parents and this and that, and there were drugs, and there was even... Um, some sex trafficking involved. And, and this is something I have been so very uh, concerned about, you know, the, the, the welfare of women and especially young women with no money and it's set into, you know, certain situations. So Dee Dee has had a difficult past at the time she shows up with her big smile and her manicure, her wonderful manicure set. So she has had... Uh, a very difficult and, and uh, complicated past when we meet her. And this only becomes apparent, you know, as we go into the book. But this is something that, so uh, Didi, has, Didi has her own struggles. And this is something I wanted to write about ever since I have gotten somewhat involved with several places where um, girls who have had this kind of situation sex trafficking or have been sex workers, there are uh, several wonderful places that I have been involved with where they have, you know, training and they have uh, therapy and they they learn, you know, life skills that they never had a chance to learn, et cetera, and to go back into. And the first, the first such place I encountered was, I think, Thistle Farms in uh, Nashville, when I was doing a benefit mm. for them, along with um, Jill McCorkle and Matrisa Burke and Marshall Chapman. We were doing a good old girl's benefit mm. for Thistle Farms. And it was that type of rehab place. Since then, I have um, done some writing classes in groups with a similar place here in Maine and so on. So I've just been real interested in, in girls uh, and, and, and how to, you know, how to help them get out of these situations. And I think 
right there in Chapel Hill and on Women's Center does a very good job with this too. So this is just something I wanted to write about. It's something that is in in Dee Dee's past and that she has that she is uh, she is running from. She's so running from that's now. her, you know, that's her story, and we won't tell what happens. <laughs> no, we won't tell. But no, we we will tell a little bit more about it after we take a short break, uh, and we'll oh, okay. find out how these two people uh, <laughs> happen to be together uh, when the silver alert goes off. Uh, but okay. for, for those of you who joined us late, I'm I'm visiting with Lee Smith, and we're talking about. Her latest book, Silver Alert. She and I'll be right back. Welcome back to Who's Talking. This is D.G. Martin, and my guest is Lee Smith. Lee's um, our, you know, one of the great North Carolina writers, and many will say she's the very best, and she happens to be a neighbor of ours up in Hillsborough. But right now, she's talking to us from uh, her vacation home in Maine, and uh, Lee, as we as we uh, broke took took a break, you were introducing us to Dee Dee, uh, yes. and she kind of it, it, it's kind of funny how we get a manicurist in with a eighty three year old wealthy cr- uh, <laughs> you know crusty old man named Herb, and so yeah. I've sort of been leading up to accusing you of, and I did I guess of saying that you had some really close connections to Dee Dee, both of you yeah. growing up in the mountains yeah. and understanding that she's on a trouble, more trouble path than you've walked on. And Herb keeps, uh, yeah. I, uh, I'm Herb's age and I have a friend who lives in Hillsboro who's about that age named Hal Crowther and a little bit <laughs> crouchy old guy. And I wondered if, if there's yeah. some of, some of, um, some of Hal Crowther's, um, Got got was the basis for your description of her. Well, any is it, is that just my imagination? <laughs> no, that's not just your imagination. But I tell you, I think one thing that we often do when we make up characters, maybe we exaggerate the part. Mm. We exaggerate the characteristics before we put them on the page. I mean, you know, I think uh, every old man, well, every old person just hates to see the way the world has changed, you know, and doesn't like the changes and doesn't like this and doesn't like that and thinks this is stupid and that's stupid. And, you know, so there are. So any of us who are this age, and, of course, my husband is, uh, is you know, a crotchety old man, too, and I got a few things from, about Herb, but Herb is exaggerated, I think, because he was the kind of guy who was uh, a sort of uh, a big deal in business and made a lot of money and was really used to telling people what to do, which is not so much true of a writer like Hal Crowder. (laughs) That's right. Well, all of these people, I think, are influenced not just by the people that you know or people that are who you are, but uh, by people that you've met down in, in in the islands or down in Key West, where the oh, yeah. where the book is set. Oh yeah, and how absolutely? How do your how do your friends or your acquaintances in Key West? Do any of them pop up in the book? Or any, any? I'm sure. <laughs> absolutely. Um, actually, Susan, the 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 lovely lovely wife who is now in the throes of. Um, of Alzheimer's, and as the book starts, 
she uh, is nevertheless a major character as she as she was in life, as she was in everybody's life, and in particularly in her life. Um, she was a lovely, lovely person, a, a poet and an artist herself who ran several famous art galleries. Um, I have a good friend uh, who, same thing, and she helped me a whole lot with the character of Susan and what Susan would have done in order to become the person, you know, that that she is. And so, although she has Alzheimer's when the book starts, Susan herself is a major, major character, and that's another thing I wanted to write about because I, I know so many people um, who are, you know, at my age, of course, who are having, including myself, some memory issues and, you know, this kind of thing to deal with. It's just like the I said, it's, it's been something that's on my mind. And so she is the loveliest character in the world. And uh, she's somebody, you know, we know we get to know her from the beginning as Herb, you know, who she was before she met Herb, everything about her life and how she became the wonderful person that she is because no matter if we have Alzheimer's or whatever, we are that wonderful person who was there all the time, too and for our families, and so I think I was writing in this book about uh, just a whole lot of things that are personal and that I was really thinking about, you know. I mean, it's it's funny, I think, because Herb is so irascible that he comes off as comic, but he's also dead serious about his stuff, and uh, that these are issues that people my age are thinking about, you know. Well, we're and all. So it gave me a. That's the great thing about writing fiction, DG. It, it gives you a chance to just really, um, really experience kind of the things that you've had on your mind and that are, you know, at, at whatever point in life you are, you know, you're thinking about. And at my age, you know, 79, um, I am, you know, these are things that I'm thinking about. And so it's a. A great privilege to get to be a fiction writer, I tell you. Well, you've introduced us to some really good friends, and I wish I, I wish we could talk about all of them, but we really can't. And I may be picking out the uh, wrong people, but the, they're ones that I identify mm-hmm. with. And and I think you'll have to help me get this person back in the story. But this there's a guy named Willie, yeah. a Willie who's a what people in Chapel Hill would be familiar with the Willie characters of folks who just can't make it and who are smart but can't make it in the university and have to struggle. Tell us about Willie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, Willie is just like um, a number of uh, people that, you know, that I have known that, that I have dealt with. And again, so I just, you know, I just wanted him to be in this book. This book is kind of a, a it's kind of personal, even though it sounds like it's not because everything's happening in Key West and all these these characters, you know, and so on. But um, it was a, it was a very personal book for me to write. Well, Willie is a graduate student gone bad. In other words, he's smart. He went to uh, uh, graduate school, but dropped out and has gone to Key West. And um, you, you know, he is. he's the kind of and he is and he he is actually Willie is. Yeah, he's a he's a kind of a boy that you find a lot down there. And again, I have talked in Key West a lot at these Key West literary seminars uh-huh. over the over the years where they have um, in January, January and February, they have um, 
writing seminars, and they're just absolutely wonderful. And, of course, it's very nice for anybody to come to Key, you know, to go to Key West. Um, and Willie would be the kind of a prototype of one of the kids that would show up maybe. And, you know, he's a Harvard student, but he's kind of been, he's been depressed. He's been uh, just kind of not knowing what his path in life should be. And so he went there. He's been down for a writing seminar, and then he just kind of stuck around. And he has the money to do that. You know, his 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 family is wealthy, so he's he's down there trying to, quote, find himself, writing poetry, going back to Harvard eventually. And, of course, Dee Dee falls in love with him. And she doesn't have any understanding of the kind of person he is and, and what he's going to do. And, of course, she gets pregnant. And So um, she's uh, you know, in a... She's the last person to rely on, you know, for anybody to, to, to rely on. But he is the kind of person, particularly uh, artists, who fetch up in Key West. They come there for the art and for the sun and for the all the, the company of like-minded souls, and a lot of them stay. And that's the kind of person you find down there in Key West, and, and Dee Dee ran into him, but she didn't ever have any experience of anybody whatsoever like him or his mother or his family or anything. And so uh, it's, a, it's a class. You know, it's a sort of a class collision in, in a certain kind of way. And, of course, uh, you know, I'm, I'm on Dee's side, but that's a, it's, another, it's another kind of thing that happens in Key West. Well, uh, you, you set that out so beautifully, and it makes great sense. All of us know about uh, good women who've fallen in love with disappointing boys and the yeah, complicated disappointing boys who were right, who were not really serious. Yeah, and complicated <laughs> you know, by a pre- pregnancy. Yeah, complicated by yeah. pregnancy. Yes, exactly. Let's take a quick break and come back, and we'll talk about the ending of your book. Uh, if you join us late, I'm visiting with Lee Smith about her latest book, Silver Alert, and the uh, as she has pointing out. As she is pointing out to us now, this book is filled with wonderful, quirky characters, and I wish we had time to talk about all of them. We'll talk about some more of them after this short break. Welcome back to Who's Talking. This is D.G. Martin. Uh, I'm visiting with Lee Smith, and we've only got about 10 more minutes to talk to Lee about her new book, Silver Alert. Lee, uh, those of us who uh, know you well would think that you're in Hillsborough, but not not you're in Maine. Talking to us That's from right. Maine, yeah, about yeah. Key West, and so these are two different <laughs> places that you and your husband Hal love. And uh, there's a little bit of both of them, I guess, in this book. But um, mm-hmm. when we first started talking, you you told us about how uh, Silver Alert came from your experience with one of these. Um, Highway alert signs when there's been a kidnapping or somebody's sick or missing. Um, yes. Now, how do you, let's see, how are we going to get our main characters together in a car ready to be uh, in a silver alert situation? And I'll help you a little bit because uh, one, of the, one of the things that your uh, main, one of your main characters, uh, Herb Atlas, also loves cars. And he's um, yes. he's got him 
cars that he loves, but he doesn't take out anymore. Or maybe they don't let him go out in the car anymore. They don't let him take him out anymore. They're determined to put him, they're determined that he's going to go to this retirement community that they have found for them. And and finally, at, toward the very end, um, his beloved wife has already gone. She's gone in an, in an ambulance up to her own um one, it's a wonderful, sort of wonderful place and a wonderful situation she will be in, and he will be right there, just really close to her, seeing her every day, et cetera. But she's already there, and the, the children have done all this, and she is already there. And at the very end, the household is being, you know, broken up and things sent here and sent there, and all the children are present and so on. And that's when Didi comes to tell Herb goodbye. And Harb says there's a whole lot of hubbub going on. Let me so just, let me interrupt you. Uh, I think what yeah. is that Herb is there by himself in his old house, or the, the yeah. house that it, the beautiful house. As the but house it's, stands, yeah. It's empty it's because because Susan, because his wife, going to be moved. Yeah, and he's getting ready to go to the retirement home himself, and so it's uh, yeah. It's, for she's those already there. It's a poignant and situation. So, uh, I said, yes, it is. And so Didi arrives to tell him goodbye, and there's a lot of confusion going on with the packing and the movers and everybody. And he says, well, wait a minute. He says, I want to show you my car, which she's never never seen because they took it away from him. So he, he, had the, he knows the garage is open, which it hasn't been. And he, they walk around the side of the house to the garage. And sure enough, it is open, and there is his beloved Porsche Carrera, um, which he's not been allowed by his family to drive for a long time. Well, he doesn't have the and keys. And he knows. He, he knows where the key is. He's found the key in an old golf shoe. And he says, I don't know, let, me just, let me just stick this in here. Wait just a minute here. So he sticks it in, and damn if it doesn't turn on. And so he says to Didi, hey, you want to take a little ride? And Didi, who is always full of good cheer and up for anything, says, why, sure. Oh, yes. Well, what is the name of this car? A porch? This is a porch car? <laughs> She's never heard of such a car. So anyway, he he starts it, and it starts. And he pushes the thing, and the, you know, the back of the, the garage goes up, and there they go. And so the ride begins. And so that's how... That's how this uh, this drive up the keys begins, and during the long drive up the keys is when we learn about the backstory of of these you know of these two unlikely companions as they go along. Now he he's he's uh, she's got him wrapped around her finger, so sure. she she wants to go. Absolutely. So, where where does she want to go on this trip, or where does she want to? Want? Well, she doesn't. She doesn't have an idea where she wants to go. Didi is an eternal innocent, despite what she's been through, which is in part horrific. Well, and, she has this um, thing about Disneyland, Disney, Disney World. Yeah, oh, she does. She has this eternal cheerfulness, this eternal good cheer. She's always looking for the best, and one thing she's always dreamed about is the princesses. She's always wanted to go to Disney World, and so inevitably, as they are driving north up the Keys. Up, that, that comes up. You know, she's always wanted to see the princesses, and she knows all these songs that the, she sings first one and then another. You know, from, 
And so finally, uh, she kind of talks him into it. And so they're going to go. They're going to go to Disney World. She's going to see the princesses. <clears throat> and so that's that's where they're headed. That 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 becomes their destination as they go on up. And to me, that Disney World and the princesses in particular just embody uh, so many elements of a certain kind of uh, girlhood dream. It's a, a certain kind of thing that has been the opposite, complete opposite of Dee Dee's life, of course. And but he wants to give her that. So okay, so that's. That's where they're headed. They have got a destination. And then they'll come back and face the music, which, because uh, they know by now they've seen these silver alerts. They know that the people are looking for them, but they're not turning back. So they're driving. They are headed to dri- see the princesses. They're yeah. dri- driving along, and uh, how does the silver alert get started, and what happens? Well, it flashes up across the highway, and she's never seen. She says, Well, what is that? You know, and so on. She can't believe it when she, uh, you know, she just cannot believe it when she sees it. And do you want me to read just a tiny little bit? Yeah. A tiny yeah, little bit from yeah, there? Yes, okay, please this, do. Please this do. is an abbreviated version of the first time they see it. Fifteen minutes later, that's when they see it, high up. A huge flashing electronic sign like a banner which extends across the entire interstate highway, Route 1, northbound and southbound. All eight lanes. Silver Alert. Porsche Carrera 2001. Canary Yellow VKE. Call 347. She sees it first. Look! That's us, isn't it? That's our car. That's us. Well, I'll be damned. Herb strikes the wheel so hard that the Porsche veers into the center lane before he can correct it. Mr. Atlas, what are you doing? She squeals. Sorry, honey. I guess the jig is up. For the first time today, Herb feels really, really old. What are you talking about? What's a jig? They got a police alert out for us for this car. Silver alert. That must be like an amber alert, what they put up when young girls go missing. If it's up there on this highway, that means it'll be up on every highway in Florida. Trust me. And then she says... uh, she doesn't get it at first, and then he explains uh, when he looks over at her again, her whole face, she's not crying, she's not upset that he found out, her, she's beaming, and she says, that's me, that's me they're looking for too, isn't it? On every billboard, on every highway, all across Florida, all over the state, that's what you see at Florida, is one of the largest states in the <laughs> union, it's the kind of crazy statement she's always making. And then he is astonished while she opens her purse and puts on her hot pink lipstick <laughs> and gives him her biggest pinkest smile. Okie dokie, she says. I guess I'm ready. We'll probably be on TV, don't you think, since we're so famous? And maybe the Internet, too. It sounds like you want to be arrested, Herb says. Probably the smart thing to do would be just go ahead and turn ourselves in, you know, right now. Next exit, face the music. What music, she asks, thinking maybe she'll get a chance to in front of all those cameras. Maybe she'll be discovered. Oh, golly. Oh, <laughs> so that's, that's the eternal, uh, you know, eternally hopeful, uh, determined to enjoy life at all costs. Diddy. 
Well, this is... Uh, and so, of course, we won't tell what happens <laughs> beyond that. <laughs> well, we've reached... This is the end of the book, but not the end of... Um, or this is close to the end. I shouldn't say it's the end. There's there's uh, more to wrap up, but this is the end of the oh, yeah. Hal and, and uh, Dee Dee story. People have mm-hmm. said or have quoted you, and I'm ask you to either confirm or, or set us straight that yeah. you hated to finish this book because you loved oh, these characters so much. Oh, I did. I just love these characters so much. And it was a case where, which does not happen with every novel, but it was a case where these characters just absolutely took took over the book. I didn't know they were going to Disney World. <laughs> I didn't. I had to add in. I had to learn about Disney World fast and put in a whole bunch. But I thought, of course, she said something about Disney World to my amazement. And then I said, oh, my God, of course she wants to go to Disney World. And so all this part, you know, the princesses, all this part came into it. I mean, they really did take on a life of their own as they, as they traveled north. Well, Lee, this is a great book, and you were great, wonderful to um, interrupt your main vacation to talk about your book in Key West. Now you promised. Oh, I just—you know—I love—I just love this book. I love these people so much. So, what a pleasure! Well, we love this book, but we're waiting on another one. We hope it might be set closer to home. <laughs> and um, <laughs> well, it's going to be. <laughs> I can tell you. <laughs> Lee Smith, thank you. Thanks for your book, and thanks for giving us a little bit more insight about it. And thanks to all y'all for listening. This is DG Martin, who's talking, and I'll be back with you before you know it. Take care.